Thank you for listening to this week's message from North Shore Christian Church. For more information about North Shore, please visit northshorechristian.org. And so with that, we're going to continue in this series. My name is Pat Lassard. I get to be a part of the preaching team if you're new with us today. And we're continuing in this uh, Christmas series called Gifts for a King. And uh, we're talking about frankincense today. And I titled this sermon, A Seven-Piece Puzzle. And you'll understand why as we get into it. We're going to continue in the Christmas story looking at Matthew 2, verse 1 through 11. I'm going to go ahead and read that now. If you need a Bible, our ushers will be glad to get you one in your hands. And we'll go ahead and uh, read through this story. Matthew 2, verses 1 through 11. Okay? Let me pray. Heavenly Father... Uh, Help us, Lord. Uh, Help me uh, regarding this gift that was given to your son uh, for your purposes. God, help us grasp it. Help us understand it. Help us understand the magnitude, the significance of it. And Christmas, I I love what Pastor Scott said just regarding the hustle and bustle. Um, Lord, help us uh, cut through some of that to be grounded this Christmas with our eyes fixed on you. Help us encourage one another in that as well. Lord, it's easy to get wrapped in the the strong current, the the huge pull that takes place this season. God, but may this be a worshipful season. God, thank you that you get to use us to bless and serve others. I love the, the spirit of Christmas and that generosity that we are more moved now to be generous to those in need. And that that comes from you. God, thank you for that. Thank you for the opportunity um, to, to give and support your work in that way. And so we pray for this time for your work and what you're wanting to do in us. Lord, to draw near to you, to understand you, to grow in you. Lord, to understand your ways and what it is that you call us to in that. What it is you want us to understand about this. So we come before you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Uh, so verse one. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them, where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That was kind of like us. Woohoo! That's amazing! We're really excited. This is awesome. I can't believe this is happening again. And going into the house, 
They saw the child, we'll come back to that real quick, with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. And then here's the series, right? Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. That's the story we're looking at today. So notice it says they came to the house with a child, okay? So as it starts, it says, um, let's look what it says. What does it say? It says, now after Jesus was born, okay? It's widely understood by the majority of scholars that this is somewhere a year and a half, two years later after Jesus is born. So this isn't infant Jesus. This is toddler Jesus, okay? And so they come into the house. So this is sometime after Jesus is born, okay? So this is just a, a piece of the Christmas story that's important for us to to know. And they gave these gifts. If you hear last week, Damien did a great job talking about gold and how it is universally understood as valuable. Wherever you go in the world, it's understood gold is valuable. It's, it's received as such. It is an amazing gift given and received, right? And he said it's both symbolic and prophetic. It meant something that it was given to him and who he is. It wasn't just a nice gift, okay? And so as it was given to him, it was a gift worthy of a king. Gift worthy of a king. That's what gold meant in that situation, that, that prophetic gift. Now, I want to ask you by a show of hands, how many of you as well online, how many of you have been a Christian for 10 years or more? Show of hand, a lot of proud. A lot, wow, okay. Okay, so next question, really important. How many of you have a decent grasp of frankincense biblically? Show of hands. Maybe I see like a couple, you know, of these. All right, so we are all in the same boat. That's great. That's great. What does this mean? A seven-piece puzzle. We're going to jump into it. Piece number one is frankincense, okay? What is it? Where does it come from? How is it processed? Uh, why? Why frankincense? To that, I look to Business Insider to enlighten us all. Watch this clip. Frankincense and myrrh are perhaps best known for their biblical connotations. But this tree sap has been prized across the world for over 6,000 years. These fragrant incense pieces come from the Bursaraceae family of trees and are found across the Horn of Africa and the Arabian Peninsula. But despite recent attempts to protect these trees, they could soon be headed for extinction. So what makes frankincense and myrrh so expensive? There are roughly 550 species of Bursaraceae, a collection of trees often referred to as the incense tree family, recognizable for their flaking aromatic bark and fragrant sap. But true frankincense comes from only a small fraction of those species. Frankincense is a milky white resin derived from Boswellia trees, which are remarkable for their ability to grow in unforgiving conditions. In fact, these trees have been known to grow out of solid rock. Myrrh, on the other hand, is a reddish resin extracted from comifora trees. The process of extracting sap from Boswellia and comifora trees is virtually identical. Incisions or taps are made in the bark of the tree, which create injury, 
the trees produce a gummy resin, like a scab, as a protection against the injury. The resin then hardens into teardrop pieces. More incisions are made at important intervals to continue the production of resin exudates. Frankincense and myrrh. Wasn't that exciting? Aren't you glad you came to church today? That's it. We're going to close in prayer. Uh, I, I did forget to mention this message is different. It's a, di it's a different message than I've preached before. It's definitely uh, more heavy biblical teaching than usual. And so I just want you to tune your ears to listen in that way. Um, it's a uh, each point is very connected, hence the puzzle you know, piece. There are several other things that are really important about frankincense, but I couldn't touch them all, and so I had to pick a lane. This is the lane we're going down. Uh, we do have a gift for you um, after service that to go, to go in your little gift bag with, if you're with us last week, the gold pieces. And so... Uh, they're not real. Sorry to burst your bubble. Uh, but if you happen to miss last week's, we have the gold pieces as well, as well as the frankincense. And so this is pretty cool uh, this, to, to help you celebrate and, uh, and worship your king this season. Okay? So the video goes on and it, it continues to communicate that the Roman Catholic Church actually purchases 50 tons of frankincense a year. You can purchase some frankincense oil, a liter of it, for that'd be like two grande coffees at Starbucks, uh, for a small fee of $6,000. In 2018, the world market uh, sold uh, uh, frankincense oil for $190 million. That was the, the gross market that was produced. So all of that to say, it's valuable. It's valuable. Okay? And we'll continue to build off of that piece. Now, I want to ask this question. Why in the world would you give expensive tree sap to a baby at a baby shower? Why would you do that? You know, I kind of picture this like you're going to someone important. You're going to this special meeting this, this, with a prominent person. And you've got the gold person. They're bringing like filet mignon and king crab. And then you've got the guy bringing chips and the other guy bringing dip. Frankincense, we're like, what is this? Like, I would think when you go to a baby shower, you'd give a gift like this, this little puzzle. Like, this even would have been prophetic. This would have been wonderful. Like, for a toddler, you're like, hey, here, uh, don't uh, mind the fact that they're all Caucasian and that doesn't make a lot of sense, but uh, that'd be a good gift. But there's more to it in these gifts, right? This gold was given as Jesus is king. And frankincense was given prophetically as well, symbolically as well. And Damien talked about this verse in Isaiah 60. And we're going to look at verse 3 and verse 6 of it. Uh, this is where that prophecy comes from. It reads, And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Then verse six, they shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. Nations shall, shall come, kings shall bring these things. It's widely understood that these wise men were coming from different nations and they were bringing product of their nation to the king. And they were ambassadors. They were representatives of their nation. So hence, nations are coming. And then some believe that they were kings of sorts from their areas. 
as, as Damien talked about, it was like 400 to 700 miles of travel that they came. And so they're coming, bringing these gifts. And the gifts mean something. In our teaching team, uh, Pastor Scott said it this way, they were by prophecy and for prophecy. It was 600 years before that it was prophesied that these things were going to happen. And then the gifts in and of themselves are prophetic of who he is and what he is going to do. Who he is going to be. So, frankincense. Frankincense. There we go. We, we know more, way more about frankincense now than we did when we first came in. Okay? So the second piece of the puzzle is incense. Incense. Frankincense is used in incense. It's a main ingredient in incense. And so we go back, way back to part of the beginning in Exodus 30, where there is the tent of meetings, also known as the tabernacle. This is where God instructed Moses to create a meeting place for him, for them, and God. And he said, as Hebrews 8 says it, be careful to follow every single instruction that I give you. And then Hebrews 8 illuminates that it is reflective of what is in heaven. As you build it this way, this is what is actually taking place in heaven. And we'll see that as we get closer here. So Exodus 30 says this about this incense. And you shall put it, that is the altar of incense, in front of the veil that is above the Ark of the Testimony in front of the mercy seat that is above the testimony where I will meet you. It goes on. And Aaron, this is Moses' brother-in-law. He was the high priest. And Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. Every morning when he dresses the lamp, he shall burn it. And when Aaron sets up the lamp at twilight, he shall burn it, a regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. Okay? Frankincense means incense. As Exodus 30, 34, he, uh, God spells out this recipe, pure frankincense is an essential part of that incense. Puzzle piece number one, frankincense. Puzzle piece number two, incense. Puzzle piece number three, the altar of incense, which we just read. He just said, put this altar of incense. This is important. It's reflective of something important in heaven. You're going to put it before the altar, before the veil, sorry, where I meet you. Okay? This altar is an important place. Uh, perhaps you're, you're new to the Bible and trying to understand some of these pieces. I have some pictures here that are important in kind of capturing what was taking place here. So you have this tent of meeting that Moses had the people build where God would meet with him and meet with them. You have him, go back to that picture. Um, you have, he was with them by fire. His presence was with them by fire at night and a cloud of, a cloud during the day. Okay, next picture. There's a cross section of the tent of meetings. All of this is very intricate in the worship and expression and communion with God. In that middle section there, you see that curtain. That's the veil that he was talking about. The veil separated the bigger room to the smaller room. The smaller room being the Holy of Holies where God would meet with Moses. 
where his presence dwelt. And right on the outside of that veil is that, that rectangle altar. That's the altar of incense. Okay? So we're piecing these things together. And then you can go to the next picture here. And that's a picture of the altar of incense. So you have frankincense means incense. Incense was used on the altar puzzle piece number three. Leading to puzzle piece number four which was the duty of the high priest. High priest is your puzzle piece number four. The high priest, he went, as it said in that Exodus 30 passage, he went through the veil. This veil separated them from God. And it was the, the high priest's role to be a representative of the people to God and of God to the people. And they had to pass through this separation. And it was, the veil was a reflective of sin. That every single one of us, the world, is not perfect. And there's a separation. We do not have easy and immediate access and communion with God. There was these steps that needed to take place in order for have, us to have access with God. And that was the high priest's role to represent the people to God and represent God to the people. And so he led them in this um, burning of incense in the morning and in the evening. And so as they passed through the veil, he was accessing the presence of God, interceding on behalf of the people, okay? So you have gold is given as he is king. Frankincense is given as he is high priest. Jesus is our high priest. So we're gonna jump to his work after the cross. This is what Hebrews says a number of different ways. Okay, puzzle piece number four, high priest. Hebrews seven reads this. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sin and exalted above the heavens. Jesus has no need like those previous high priests to offer sacrifices daily. First for his own sins and then for those of the people. Since Jesus did this once for all when he offered himself up. Jesus himself was the offering and he was the priest offering it. And so he is our high priest. Romans, uh, sorry, Hebrews 4 uh, goes on and says this. Hebrews talks a lot about Jesus being our high priest. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I love this passage. Have you ever been maybe with a pastor or under a pastor, you know, one that represents God and they are distant from people, they don't know how to connect, they're critical, they're judgmental, they, they seem to walk on a cloud, they're above, they have no humility before others. That is not Jesus. That is not Jesus. 
In contrast, have you ever been with a pastor, a minister, a priest that is compassionate and is present in the moment and is gracious and is merciful, is truthful, but in humility and love? That is a dim picture of Jesus. They are replicating who Jesus is. Jesus is our high priest and he gives mercy. He gives mercy. I love it. I love that he gives what we don't deserve to us that deserve wrath. That is part of the Christmas story. That's not a fun part. It's a part that he gives mercy to every single one of us as, as he has it readily available for us to access and have access with God for all who will draw near and all who will receive him. When I think about this for myself, I, I am nobody. I am nobody. I have been so far off, so left field. I'm undeserving. I don't deserve a thing from God. As a matter of fact, the, the conclusions that I had about God was that he was distant, that he was ambivalent, that he was just looking to judge me. He wasn't real. He had it out for me. There was no way. I have, I have done way too much. I have done way too much wrong. I am not worthy. I'm not deserving. There's no way he would accept me. And then to undo those lies, to understand that Jesus is merciful and that he has love for everyone and that we can receive forgiveness and grace. He is an empathetic high priest. He understands. He was made like us in every way, Hebrews 2.17 says. He actually understands you and your life far more than you understand. He's lived this life. He's walked this life. He understands suffering. He understands loss. He understands sorrow. He understands failure. He understands rejection. He understands all those things and more. More than you could ever even grasp. Think about how Jesus lived his life. And I love when we take communion, that piece of bread, it represents his life, his body. Think about the stories that Jesus told and how he interacted with people. He would touch the lepers. No one else would touch the lepers. He would touch the lepers, right? He had compassion on those who needed compassion. The adulterous woman busted he mercifully, graciously receives her as his own and is not put off by her. He tells a story of two people in church and you got the person in the front saying, I am so glad I'm not like that guy in the back. I am so glad I'm not like that guy. And I've got my stuff together. And then that guy, he, he paints this contrast. He's beating his chest. He won't even lift his eyes up. He says, I am not deserving of God or worthy of being here. 
And he says, who left church today justified? And he points to that guy in the back that comes late, leaves early, doesn't want to be seen by people, doesn't feel worthy to be here before the Lord. And Jesus goes on and on and on how he is an empathetic high priest. He was made like us in every way, yet without sin. And he compassionately serves this puzzle piece number four as a, as a high priest is really crucial. It leads into that next piece of the work that he does on the cross. Puzzle piece number five is the veil, the veil. This is what it says in Matthew 27, 50, 51 as he's hanging on the cross. It says this, on the cross, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This is that veil as it was in the temple. There was an earthquake that took place and rocks were split, right? There's this amazing thing that took place. Here's a picture of the veil in the temple that's being torn, okay? I imagine this was really upsetting for those priests that were working the temple at that point. Because that was a pretty dangerous thing. Like if you went in the Holy of Holies and you weren't clean, you went in there once a year by the high priest. They only did that. And you had to go through all these rituals in order to even get in there. And then now it's exposed. They were, they were going to die. Right? It was just straight up they were going to die. But notice it is from top to bottom. And that's what the scripture says. Not from bottom to top. It wasn't man making access to God. It was God making access to man. God came, God came, Emmanuel, God with us. And so he removed the barrier that was in the way of the presence of God through Jesus Christ and his body on the cross and made it available so that we would have direct access by Jesus's body. There is no other way to the Father except through him. And Hebrews 10 says that it was his body that is now the veil. That it is through Jesus that we have access. Okay? This puzzle piece. Why frankincense? Why dried tree sap? Right? Frankincense means incense. Incense was used on the altar of incense within this temple system structure. Okay? You had the high priest that maintained it. And it was going through the veil to access God, which leads to that next point, number six, the sixth puzzle piece of intercession. Intercession. You're actually more familiar with this word than maybe you think. Some of you have interceded. Probably a lot of you have interceded. It just means to do something on behalf of somebody else. If you've ever prayed for somebody else, that's intercessory prayer. You are praying for, you're doing something for them. If you've ever been an advocate for someone else, you have interceded on behalf of them, stood up. If there's been a, a situation of justice and you've needed to step in and intervene and work on behalf of them, you have interceded. Jesus intercedes for us. Hebrews 7 continues and reads this way. The former priests were many in number. There are so many over the years because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But Jesus holds his priesthood permanently because Jesus continues forever. Consequently, Jesus is able to save to the utmost those who draw near to God through him since Jesus always lives to make intercession for them. He saves to the utmost. I love that phrase. That's awesome. 
So when you think that one thing or those lots of things that God could not forgive, you're wrong, it's not true. He saves to the utmost. There is nothing he cannot forgive. There's nothing he cannot forgive. He is the great high priest and he intercedes on your behalf. When I think about how, what does this look like? How does Jesus intercede on our behalf? I have to go to his high priestly prayer of intercession. I think that's the best way to communicate it. John 17, it's a beautiful picture of what Jesus prayed for you. Jesus talked with the father about you and all who will follow him. It reads this, and I, and I, um, I, uh, I did a mashup. I don't know a better word for it. I brought all these verses together and it reads this way. It says, John 17, it says, I am praying for them. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. These things I speak that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. Keep them from the evil one. Sanctify them in the truth. Father, I desire that they also may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me. I pray that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Jesus is for you. And he's in heaven, not sitting back being lazy, not sitting back doing anything. John 5, 17 says, my father's always at working. I too am always working. Jesus is active on your behalf for you, for good for you, the ultimate good for you, for you to continue to mature and grow in Christ likeness. That's the ultimate goal. For you to receive all that you have in him. He wants good for you and he is working with the Father, working with the Spirit to bring those things about in your life. He is active. And this is part of the faith exercise is though we don't see it, is it happening? We believe it. I don't believe everything that I see. And everything I see, I don't believe, right? You have the internet too, right? This intercession ties into this last puzzle piece prayer, okay? Last puzzle piece prayer of this frankincense puzzle. I wanna look at three passages here in this. Going back to the Christmas story, in Luke 1, it says this. Now while, uh, in verse 9. Now while Zechariah was serving as priest before God, so this is still the old covenant taking place and the temple is taking place and the priests are still in place and he's working through these, um, these rituals, these religious rituals. Now while Zechariah was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense, okay? And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. So notice, this is not an accident, okay? 
There's incense being burned, and the people are doing what? Praying. Incense being burnt, and people are doing what? They're praying, okay? Let's look to David's words. Psalm 141, verse 2, this is beautiful. He says, let my prayer be counted as incense before you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Okay? You have frankincense, which means incense. You have incense is used on the altar of incense, which was before the veil, before the Holy of Holies, before the presence of God. The high priests were the one that maintained that. They had to go through the veil as they made intercession in order to access the presence of God through prayer, okay? This last verse is the window into heaven. As, as we said earlier in Hebrews 8, it says, build and make sure to follow these instructions to the detail as Hebrews 8 reveals. It is a picture of what's taking place in heaven, okay? Okay? Hebrew, uh, Revelation 5, 8 through 9 says this. And when the lamb, that's Jesus, has taken the scroll and the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, and read that out, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Your prayers are incense to God. Your prayers are incense to God. He receives them as incense to God. When you think about frankincense, and as you receive this frankincense, think access to God. Access to God. Access to God because Jesus is my high priest. Access to God because Jesus intercedes on my behalf. Access to God because my prayers are this to him. My prayers are received as sweet smelling aroma before my king, my God, my savior. How many of you love incense? Yeah, you know. I burned some incense at my house, this, uh, some uh, frankincense at my house this last week. It was really cool to smell it for the first time ever. It's like, whoa, that's cool. What I thought was it's kind of Christmassy. I was like, no way. It smells a little bit like pine tree, you know, like sap or whatever, but it's, it's a little better. I liked it. And then my wife smelled it and she was like, what is that smell? That's horrible. <laughs> so whatever, subjective noses. When you think about frankincense, think access, access to God. As you have access, you have direct, because of Jesus Christ, as him being your high priest and interceding on your behalf, it is sweet. Your prayers are sweet to God. So when you buy the lies that your prayers, it's just a one-way conversation. It's not going anywhere. He, he's not hearing me. It hits the ceiling and that's it. Or I'm not even going to pray about that, which I had confessed to you guys not that long ago. You know, 
I'm not even going to pray about that. He's not going to do anything about it. He's busy. He doesn't really care about those things. It's not going to matter that I bring these things up to him. It's not true. It's not true. Your prayers are sweet and beautiful and pleasing to God. How many of you have been blessed by the opportunity to have kids? And then grandkids. So this is where I go with that, is when my kids come, I have four kids uh, and one granddaughter. When my kids come to me and they come to me and they bring struggles, when they come and bring, uh, when we have fun together, just engaging, when they come and they ask for wisdom, when they come and they trust me, when they trust what I'm saying, when they ask for help about something, or when they just want to connect, or maybe they want to know something about me or about my life or about who I am or about my, my thoughts or my opinions, what do you think my response is? I'm blessed. It's a gift. It is a gift as my kids want to connect with me, right, on all those levels. Now, is that just because I'm just a great dad and I, I just made that up on my own? I've been made in God's image and God's likeness. He created this whole family system structure. He created this whole parent relationship, parent-child relationship. Jesus says, let me introduce you to my father. I am his son, right? He's communicating who he is. So as you talk with God about all of life, God, please help me understand why is it this way? God, please help me. I don't understand. This is confusing. God, teach me. God, I love this about life. Wow, that's amazing. God, that's beautiful. God, I trust you. I don't understand it, but I trust you. And everything in between, God is pleased to hear from his kids. When you think about frankincense, think about access to God. We have a, a beautiful song that we're going to finish here uh, today. And it's about this very thing as we're drawn near to God. And as well as our incense of prayers being before God. And it's based off of this passage, Romans 5, 8 through 9. It was a new song for me. Chances are it's a new song for many of you. We want this time, it just as we look at, you know, what's your next step? What is it that God's leading you to? We're just going to set this time up for a time of prayer. Let this song minister to you, but you also minister to your God. You serve him. You connect with him. You, you praise him. He is interceding on your behalf. He is working and talking with the Father about what is best, what is right, what is true, what is pure in your life, and looking to bring that about and bring you along and helping you be more like Jesus. So talk with him. Talk with him. Talk with him about him. I love, I was just reading yesterday just in, in my own personal devotions and it's in, I think it's in Exodus 20 where Moses, it says, <laughs> I can't believe it says this. It says, he, the Lord talked with Moses like a friend face to face. 
And then several verses later, Moses says this. He says, teach me your ways, O Lord, that I might know you and do what's pleasing in your sight. He's already closer to God than like anybody else. And he's continuing to say, continue to teach me about you so that I might know you, so that I might follow you and do what's pleasing to you. That's so cool. You think God's glorified by that? You think that pleased God's heart? He wants to hear from you. Perhaps what's on your heart It's heavy, and it's heavy for someone else. You too, which is a whole nother message, have been invited in as a royal priest and priestess to be an ambassador and a representative of God to minister to other people on behalf of God. Perhaps what's on your heart right now is interceding, like Jesus, about somebody else. Do that. Spend some time lifting them up. These prayers are sweet. And he receives them, he hears them, he sees you, he knows you, he loves you. He is an empathetic high priest, he was made just like you. He knows everything you are experiencing in this life. That is what is true, pure, right, lovely, admirable, and praiseworthy. If you're here and you're kind of new to this whole Jesus thing, you're kind of seeking him and you're not quite sure, it's not an accident that you're here. God's at work in your life, drawing you to him through Jesus. I'd encourage you to have a conversation with Jesus. He's ready to receive you if you will receive him. And with that, may we bless you. May we bless our King. Let's connect with God. Let's pray.